Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics. With me today is Mr. Simon Lever. He's a retired headhunter, recruitment executive turned creative writer and storyteller. He champions positivity, empathy, and kindness and spreads that message through the many blogs and stories he regularly shares with the world. He's joining me today from his hometown of Westchester, England, which also makes this the first transcontinental interview of Back to Basics. Hello, Simon, and welcome. Hello, Leticia. Welcome to you, too. It's a privilege. Well, I'm so excited, and um, I always like to brief the audience sometimes about how I connect with these amazing people. And we connected through LinkedIn, through one of your uh, beautiful posts. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And uh, LinkedIn's we a great platform. Yeah, we might talk a little bit about that. But yes, I agree with you. You meet so many interesting people and uh, we've exchanged a few WhatsApps. And I already feel like I know you, although I don't know you. This is the first time we speak. <laughs> but, uh, just, I know. Yeah. but just through your readings and what you write, it, it, it's pretty amazing. And uh, so besides the fact that you are in the United Kingdom and that brings, uh, you know, a worldly perspective into the show, which I love. You also have had, you, you, you know, a, what it seems a very fulfilling and full life journey. So I'm very excited to hear about it. And uh, tell me about Westchester. Tell me about your childhood uh, and just, you know, uh, share a bit of who you are with us. I'd love to. Actually, my early days, it's all documented much to my um, yeah, male ego <laughs> on this catalyst and also on the divine breadcrumb. Um, I had a very, uh, an enjoyable childhood. I have photos which still amaze me, uh, part of the fact I look much younger. Uh, five years old, <laughs> five years old, I was having a great time uh, living in Birmingham, England, uh, but no, no accent. <laughs> and um, and uh, had fantastic schooling. I went to boarding school. Uh, when I was 10 years old, Kingwell Court School, and the uh, in Bradford of Penavon in Wiltshire. And the motto of that school is delightful. I still use it, as does my son. And it's be strong gently with an Indian elephant and its trunk down, because Indian elephants have this delightful uh, passive look about them. And uh, so that's the beginning of my schooling. Then the next boarding school was Allenwood Manor, where I was there for a couple of years before returning to Birmingham for grammar school. And Onward Manor was quite interesting. The headmaster there had us all in the, uh, the auditorium to do a, a talk. And he's, he had this piece of paper in front of him. He said, look, I have an announcement to make. The palace has asked if Prince Charles can attend Onward Manor. And we all looked at each other and said, yes, yes, yes. Anyway, they said, well, unfortunately, we've turned it down because of the security aspects. And we're all incredibly sad. But there we are. There we are. And then, uh, yeah, I went to uh, back to Birmingham, went to grammar school, 
and onward from there eventually into business. Um, and in 1979, I joined a company called um, Specialist Computer Recruitment. And uh, I was successful. It was enjoyable meeting people, which I've always loved. And then in 1981, they were looking to open up an office in Amsterdam. Uh, they'd already opened an office in Brussels and Amsterdam. So basically, I got the job after uh, making a secretary swear to secrecy. Because <laughs> after each, each interview with the directors, I wrote down what I thought, what I had, what I didn't have, why I was interested, why they should be interested. And this happened three times and I got the job. And uh, I used to tell candidates to do that. And in those days, it was written, you know, no emails, basically. And I used to say, look, just write a letter saying, thank you. I love the idea of the job. I need training here, but I want to do it. And uh, that worked well, uh, very well. And then um, from Amsterdam, it was pretty incredible because uh, in those days, uh, we used advertising rather than headhunting. And uh, advertising, I think we became the largest advertiser, recruitment advertiser in the Netherlands, uh, which is in those days, it was quite spectacular. And that, I suppose, sparked off my writing skills. And I used to uh, go off to clients wherever they may, may be. And I used to take lots of notes. And uh, I, used to have a, I used to brief myself on the client. So they say, you know, what do you know about us? And I used to reel off this history. <laughs> and they used to look, and because um, <laughs> uh, it's not usual, it probably is now. Uh, but I, um, I used to do that, and I used to go back to the airport. And by the time I'd left, I typed out all my notes and emailed it to the client. So I, they couldn't figure out how it was done. But there we are. This <laughs> is the early days of early days of technology, of course. Um, from there, um, I actually had us uh, asked to set up a company in Denmark, uh, which I, I must admit I didn't like, but uh, they took the family over there as well. And uh, I, the, the company was failed and they asked me to relaunch it, which I did. And it also became the biggest advertiser in Denmark. Wow. Um, yeah. From there, we decided we'll go back to the Netherlands um, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have a job in the Netherlands, but I phoned up a contact who used to work uh, for a company called um, Computing, uh, Computable, sorry, in the Netherlands. And I phoned up this chap, Seep Cookens, and I said, look, because um, I used to use the company for advertising. I said, look, do, do you know where I could get a job here? He said, I'll get the director to phone. And the director, uh, Eric, um, phoned me and he said, look, I've heard about your background. We've no idea what we're going to pay you, but you hired. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's great. Yeah, so I set up another computer recruitment operation, which was incredibly successful. Uh, so I was there for a few years. Then um, a client, System Software Associates, now Infor, headhunted me, saying, come and work for us. <laughs> so I went back, we went back to the UK. This is 1996, 97 back to the UK, and that was in-house headhunting. It was fantastic. So I used to um, travel around all over Europe to Italy, hiring a country manager, France, hiring a country manager, Sweden, Hungary, all over the place. And Richard Morgan Evans, 
he used to get first class, of course, on the airline. Mm-hmm. I used to, he said, no, you go up there with the hens and the chickens, <laughs> the chickens and, and the straw bales. So, but uh, ultimately, when I went self-employed, because uh, the company was taken over, I was self-employed, and I still used to travel extensively. A client meeting, I'd just jump on a plane and go and see them. Because uh, I knew at the same time, it was awfully arrogant, but I knew I'd get the business, which I did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was just, but then I had seat 1C in the aeroplane, which is always nice. <laughs> and one unforgettable moment was when I had a flight to go to Stockholm. And in those days, the captain's cabin was open. And the uh, one of the air hosts uh, said, would you like to go to the captain's cabin and see the northern lights? <laughs> so I went to the captain's cabin. Incredible. They said, look, over there, look, just over there, northern lights. Absolutely spectacular, honestly. And that's just amazing, uh, being in the front seat of a BA flight. Also, I did a lot of um, business in Belgium. And one of my descriptions I put on... Um, this catalyst was uh, Sonne Lumier in the um, Grand Place, and that's sound and music, sound and music, uh, and light, light and music. And one day, one evening, standing in the Grand Place, everything went dark. I thought, what's going on? And there were obviously uh, people from Brussels who knew what was going on, because the typical Englishman abroad know. Mm-hmm. And um, suddenly, the lights shone up on the buildings all over beautiful buildings, lights going up and down. Then there's music from um, uh, Vangeli called 1492, Paradise Conquered. And I can still hum it now, but (laughs) it's just spectacular. And after it had finished, I dashed into a a little little, uh, brasserie. I said, what's the music I've got to know? And they said, that's Vangeli, 1492. And I I still have the tape. When I had my Jeep, Cherokee, either Rolling Stones, Rachmaninoff, and would you believe 1492. So uh, That's so special. I love it. I love how you tell stories. I can tell definitely you're a storyteller because you tell this and and in your writing too, which of course will be a share where you can uh, read Simon's writings, but all these details that really transport you to like, I could, I could feel the music now, but just by the way you're describing it, it's quite special. (laughs) It's really super. I mean, even when as a child, I've got photos going back to when I was about three years old. And I remember the photographer taking the photo I can go back to when I was a very small kid, uh, walking through a, a little stream with my brother, and uh, I can remember, I can hear the water, and we saw uh, a woodpecker, not a woodpecker, a, a kingfisher, and it's still, in my head, it's still in my eyes, so I can write these things down. When I write them, they're visual to me. That's so special. I think now that, uh, you know, I'm doing a mindfulness practice, and there's this push about being here in the now. It sounds to me that from very early on, you're being able to be in the now and to really take in everything you're seeing and experiencing. And and that's why probably you're able to to share it so profoundly. Yes, uh, that that is true. Uh, When I'm writing, uh, I can't just write. Uh, if If I have to write something, community magazine, writing the spring article in the middle of winter can be a bit challenging. Um, 
but I just go out and walk along the rivers and Keats River, his favourite river, the poet Keats, walk around there and look up at the trees, whether they've got leaves on or not. And gradually the inspiration um, hits me and I dash back home and uh, start, start typing on the old Blackberry. And um, so inspiration is important. Of course, of course. And it sounds to me, well, it sounds, would you say that you fell into a career that really allow you to to showcase your passion? I can tell you love and you say you love connecting with people. You love that, love that interaction. So that it sounds to me that recruiting and, and headhunting is perfect for that. Just identifying qualities in people. Yes, indeed. Uh, it was delightful. I love meeting people from different countries and different cultures. And I have so many anecdotes uh, about trips to, say, Paris. Uh, if I can tell you a little a story now. Absolutely, of course. Okay. This is what this is for. All right. Um, this, in Paris, um, I used to stay at a hotel near the uh, Eiffel Tower, uh, Rue uh, Avenue de Sifuen. And to get to a place for a nice coffee or uh, a little something to eat, I used to go up uh, Rue Saint-Michel, and then you gradually get up to the most well-known uh, road in Paris, which is um, Rue uh, Saint-Germain. And we sit there at a little cafe called Les Deux Margots, which sounds like the two maggots. <laughs> we used to sit there watching the world go around and having a coffee. And uh, the waiters were charming because French waiters are not arrogant. They are proud. And then opposite, there's this brasserie called Brasserie Leap. Mm -hmm. And even the Parisians will say, wow, it is the most arrogant cafe you can ever do. <laughs> anyway, I went in there with my business colleague and the waiter. Uh, you could always tell, although we had our Hermes ties and we could have passed off for, off for French, I suppose. And um, uh, we, were, uh, we were told to go upstairs because only the Parisians can sit downstairs. <laughs> so we went upstairs and... There were tables uh, vacant at the window, and my colleague said, look, uh, we'll sit by the window. Ah, monsieur, impossible. <laughs> um, so in the, in the end, uh, my colleague just went and we sat down by the window. And the waiter, he had a face like a horse. It was long, a long face. I've never witnessed such a miserable face in all my life. He came up to our table. He had his notepad and pen, and he looked terribly furious, he looked really furious, his head, his chin kept elongating, and so I thought, well, goodness, he's going to hit the table. Anyway, I thought, I'm going to take a big risk, life-threatening risk, and I'm going to say something in English to this waiter, and I looked up at him, I said, Monsieur, do you ever smile? The pen did not move from the paper, his face did not move, and he said, no, Monsieur, I never smile. Oh, wow. And from there, we had him laughing. So, uh, <laughs> that is uh, that is interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, well, it's part of what you say in many of your posts about trying to stay positive and uh, trying to spread kindness. And and uh, you had a post also with uh, you know with what's going on in COVID. And and I think that's why you have quite a following in LinkedIn. And I think there's in a time where people want more of that, it's easy to like, when you post something, I, I see it's like, oh my God, he has so many <laughs> likes and, and this, and it's, it's really um, hard lifting. For me, it has been hard lifting because as you know, I post a lot about work. I, I post a little bit of different things, but you, you, you put a picture and you just can 
say something about what you see in nature and it touches so many people. You definitely tells that there's the need for, for that message. I think there is a need. Positivity, uh, it's something we can take for granted. But I always say, well, what's the opposite of positivity? It's negativity. In negativity, there is only one way, and that's down. Now, if you see somebody who's a little bit sad or depressed, if I'm walking along the road or along the river, sometimes I always say hello anyway, unless somebody's really got their head pointing to the ground. I always say hello. And sometimes you can say, if you can say, well, I'm going to take this a second further. And I say, beautiful weather, river. And suddenly their, their eyes will light up. And then you have engagement and kindness. And from kindness, you have empathy. And from empathy, you can go to positivity. So it's always a mission. I go into a cafe and there's a, a waiter or a waitress there looking really miserable. And I said, I am sure if you smile, your face will light up. And it does. <laughs> so it was, it's always a mission. If you see somebody sad who spends all day serving people, doing a good job, I can't leave it. You know, it's just done in a very gentle way. It mustn't be insulting or patronizing. So, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, special. But as for meeting people, I can't not uh, engage with people. I get, I get very bored. So... <laughs> One of the things I do do, which means I can meet people from all over the world, I was asked if I'd like to be um, a steward at Winchester Cathedral. And uh, I started off as a steward, welcoming people at their main entrance from all over the world, French, Polish, German, Dutch, American. And I used to say a thousand years old which makes me feel incredibly young. <laughs> and I used to get, people would smile. Apparently, this sounds awfully arrogant. Apparently, my style was quite different and people used to like it. And uh, I did that for a while, about three hours a day, three days a week, two, two wow. hours. And then we had this amazing exhibition called Kings and Scribes, Birth of a Nation. And that's a, a relatively new exhibition. It's won awards. And there I literally walk people through history. There's a 900-year-old Bible, completely illuminated, looks like new. And it's called Old Latin, which is the translation was from Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, would you believe? And people are just stunned by the, uh, the artifacts and uh, amazing things in that exhibition. And I can't wait to get back because it's uh, because of the COVID. Uh, only private private prayers are allowed. So um, I occasionally pop in and say hello to reception. So, uh, but That's everybody has masks on. You can't recognize anybody. I know it's uh, definitely it's yeah. a very different way to to yes. to leave. And hopefully yeah. it soon will be over. But uh, to me, what it's really striking, and as you know, in, in back to basics is, you know, in this podcast, I try to to inspire others to reconnect with what they're passionate about and what I love about you and really about all the guests, because if I have one requirement, people, sometimes I invite them on the show and they get afraid. Like, what am I going to talk about? Like, listen, if, if I inviting you is because you have done something that has inspired me, which hopefully Thank inspires you. others. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that's the whole, the whole point of, of this show is to, to help people get unstuck sometimes because we, I feel we go like an automatic pilot through life a lot of us and and just we forget to see those little 
uh, things that you're mentioning, like the lights on the plane or the music that was playing or those little yes. things that really make the difference because they are the ones that create this feeling inside of us, this warm feeling. And you say, I'm enjoying this. What is it? And then you say, oh, it's the music that's playing. But we take that for granted, those things. I think we do. Yes. Yeah. But I suppose... Currently, because um, Dame Judi Dench, the one that was shot in um, a James Bond film, I, I'm very sad about that, but Dame Judi Dench used to say retirement is a dirty word. <laughs> she's, still act she's still acting and she's about 85 years old. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I'm retired, but I, I'm almost busier now than I was um, working. And what I do is basically I, I, I love engaging with people on LinkedIn, Biz Catalyst, of course, and the divine breadcrumb, uh, Carol Campbell of um, Greater Boston. She created that about more than two years ago, and uh, that's fantastic. It's a platform that has so many descriptions from men and women all over the world. Some of them are quite emotional, but uh, in, in essence, it's an upbeat, positive platform. Same with um, Biz Catalyst. Um, Dennis Pitoko, that that also is quite something because that was good because I can write as much as I like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can write two lines or I can write 50 pages, which suits me very fine. <laughs> it's often joked that when anybody else can do a, a script, a script or description in one paragraph, it comes out as about three pages for me. But that is... <laughs> But that is because I tend to go into um, descriptions, uh, creative emotion, if you like. I do. It's not automatic writing, because that's a different concept. But this is creative writing, which means when I'm tapping it out on my BlackBerry or whatever, um, I'm on a different plane, a different planet, if you like. And um, when I finished it, I sometimes look at it and think, hold on, I didn't write this. Now, again, that sounds awfully male ego arrogant, but that, that's quite surprising for me when I read something a day after, I don't recognize it. it and that, that's quite uh, quite special. That is special. I, I can definitely relate to that, that, that you were in a, in a different place, inspired place, and that's where the words are coming from. And I, and I can say that, yeah, I, I think you're a fantastic writer and that I have that ability that... Uh, transport people to to other places and, and to experience what you're writing about. Now, I'm curious that someone that spent pretty much all your life recruiting people, and this is one of the things that I hear a lot and in, in, in people that have been on the show, like people that have started a career path on a direction that maybe is not fulfilling or that just go through the motion. Is there anything like any wisdom you want to share into who you saw being the happiest or what characteristics were you looking in someone? Just anything about the recruiting world that where you say your, your, your nuggets of wisdom that, that you could share. I think my most, my favorite part of that was when I was an in-house recruiter with um, System Software Associates, because again, I was engaging with people in the company, there were very inspiring people. The uh, the VP sales, Richard Morgan Evans, uh, he was quite a quite a character, and we just used to get to know these people. And because I was an in-house recruiter, paid a salary and everything, um, I had this sort of special place. Um, not having targets, although to hire people, yes, 
but different from going out there and having to sell software. And I gained so much enjoyment out of that. For example, going to France once, Paris, looking for a country manager. And there were two candidates and uh, we wanted to hire both of them. And I was told, no, no, uh, the, the one candidate, which I'm still in contact with, didn't know about the other one. And I said to Richard, I said, you can't do this. I'm going out there and I'm going to tell both of them they are both here. Uh, and we hired both of them. Um, and, and I've kept in contact with the country manager there, uh, along with many other people I've hired. So it's not as if I've just dropped it. As for creativity, yes, I was obviously writing scripts, writing job descriptions and whatever. But that meant really engaging with people and sometimes meeting uh, a, some of the do's, a, a football star or something. And I got a book signed with um, happy hunting, happy mm-hmm. headhunting. Yeah, I think that that's it. But the um, the main part is, I suppose, engaging. And also my kids. Um, one still lives in, in Antwerp. The other one lives in near Banbury. I'm a granddad, by the way, a grandpa. Uh-huh. Of how many? Just one. Oh, okay. Congratulations. Beautiful, beautiful baby girl. Um, so, and the the relationship is amazing. Also, we can't see anybody, of course. Uh, but my daughter, we have FaceTime pretty regularly, and uh, which is which is a which is a joy. Uh, it really is. That's great. That's great. And I have to say. Well, I think my father is older than you are. You're not that old, but my dad is 87. So he's, you know, out there. And uh, when he started his business, you know, some of the stories were like, yeah, how we did this before email. Like I remember he's Italian and we used to spend our summers in Italy. I was born and raised in Venezuela where he immigrated to. But I remember him bringing people from Venezuela to Italy because they needed to complete a bid or a proposal. So the way before the email <laughs> world <laughs> was that he would bring one of his employees to to Italy while we were vacationing so that he could stay there with us. And they would work through the day and then he would be off to Venezuela and submit the bid. So, but now he has embraced technology very well. And, uh, you know, I think not to the point where he's on LinkedIn or anything like that. He hasn't retired. He still shows up to work every day. <laughs> it's his company. But, uh, you know, I command that, you know, because you are very engaged in LinkedIn and you're very engaged, you know, in also the social media platforms and, and, uh, and you're uh, publishing your writing through, you know, online uh, platforms. This is more that people, you know, way younger do. So this has great credit that you have embraced technology? I think, th- well, technology has always been my, um, what I've been at all the time. Not that I would know what a, uh, a gig is from a megabyte, but, which I do really. <laughs> but uh, no, technology has assisted tremendously because I can, of course, type and then send everything instantly wherever in the world. And what also the, uh, for example, um, Facebook or Zoom, LinkedIn, it means we can engage with people without thinking of distance. So the Atlantic is totally irrelevant. So when I have a FaceTime with, for example, Kimberly Davis, she is the author of Brave Leadership. I bought that book for my daughter. And also Carol Campos, we have FaceTime and we're friends, just decent, ordinary friends. And uh, Andrea Clough also, we have uh, FaceTime. And this is special because um, listening to somebody or exchanging messages on LinkedIn is live. 
it's not it's not um it's not a uh a nothing it's it's alive so even before you see these people like seeing you at the moment on the on my uh on the video thing here uh it's as if i know you absolutely absolutely and this 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 is technology so distance is irrelevant i love it i i love hearing you because uh you know it's uh one of the things that I struggle with and, and this, I'm in telecommunication. So, you know, in a way we are responsible for having the cell phone or, you know, people, when you see the kids with the cell phone and, and people say, Oh my God, I don't know how to do with it because technology is uh, overpowering this. And, and you feel, Oh, I put the towers up that create that connection. So, <laughs> uh, and then I struggle because it's true, but at the same time, you see what the possibilities are and what we are able yes. to do. I mean, if we think about COVID without this, it would have been an even more dreadful experience. Just what you say. Yes, we, we are in a bad situation, but we can, are able to see each other. You're able to see your grandkids. I'm able to see my parents who have I haven't been in contact with for one full year, which has never happened, but we cannot travel to see each other. But there are people that they would say, I'm not for technology, and they completely rule it out, you know? I think uh, in that case, because especially people of a certain age, they're not very often au fait with technology like Facebook. But I think if they sit with somebody, rather than having a course and being told what to do, it's right, hold the iPhone, we'll go through it. So you see it live, and that has certainly opened up a tremendous door of joy if you like the curtain is open and then you see your grandchild or your 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 mum and dad or your kids so that's wonderful and as you said covid has changed changed everything one thing i have noticed in winchester it, it's renowned to be the nicest place to live in england <laughs> and the most and the most friendly and even before covid People would always say good morning, then they're you know big smiles. But now people are saying even more good mornings, and they go to one side or the other to maintain the two meter difference. And it's so funny because I we say to some people, do you know we were polite before, but now we say no after you. No, I insist <laughs> after you, which is very English, of course. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> which, by the way, doesn't sound like it, but I did learn my English in England. <laughs> <laughs> it does so well. American, delightful American accent. In fact, I'm talking to more Americans than anybody else. Yeah, well, so, I completely uh, lost it. And when I when I went there, I uh, regretted choosing the one town in England with the most impossible name to pronounce, which is... What was that? Bournemouth. <laughs> Bor Bo you see, I cannot even oh, say that. I was there twice. Bournemouth. Yes. Bournemouth. <laughs> that. That's the seaside. Yes, Bournemouth. Yeah. My uh, when I was I lived in Birmingham, I was born in Birmingham. Um, where I lived uh, was called Edgbaston. That's E D G. Then Edgbaston, Edgbaston, Edgbaston is a correct pronunciation. Oh my God! Yeah, no, I know I, there are some funny names. Oh my God! I chose it because of the sea. Again, I'm Venezuelan. I'm like here. So I open the brochure and I see this beautiful pier and the beach, and I say, "This is where I'm going." Little did I know it was going to be eight degrees Celsius during the summer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah. That's so much for the beach. But it was, you know, I really enjoy my summers there. It's just that, that after so many years, uh, I can still not pronounce, <laughs> pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Bournemouth. Yeah, because it's Bournemouth. We pronounce it Bournemouth. Oh, my uh, God. It's, it's very strange, I know. 
Yes. But here, I mean, the, the sea is, I don't know, about an hour away, less than that, I think. But uh, walking out the door here, within two minutes, I'm in countryside. So and it's walk, I, can, I can walk 25 minutes and I'm outside the cathedral. And it's a unique city because from the very centre, you have King Alfred the Great statue. And you literally, two minutes, you are walking along the side uh, the river Itchin. You have hills, you have greenery, you have water meadows. And it's quite unique because it's a city only because it has a cathedral. And we can thank William the Conqueror for that, as I always <laughs> tell my French guests, our French visitors. Thank you very much, William the Conqueror, William <laughs> the First, because he commissioned the cathedral. Uh, and he arrived in 1066. And I think the cathedral was started about 1087 or something. Oh, that's that's Wonderful. beautiful. That's uh, that's one of the things, you know, being married to a Dutch. And, and by the way, Antwerp is one of the most beautiful places I've been. Now that you mentioned that uh, it's your son that lives there or your daughter. Uh, sorry, where? In Holland? Or? Antwerp. Yeah, in Holland. Oh, Antwerp. Oh, Antwerp. In, in, Super. Well, yes. I like, I like the square. Y you, go, you go everywhere in Europe, you know, and there's history, like you breathe history. And that's one of the things me and my husband always struggle with. We love the United States. And there are some some towns here that obviously have their history. And I love city like New York City to me is my favorite city in the whole world. Like I love the energy and all that. But there's that flair of, you know, pure history and where we come from in, in Europe that, that is just very, very special. I think so. I mean, I've been to New York Boston twice and Chicago, because the headquarters of um, uh, SSA were in Chicago. And um, Boston, fantastic. Uh, went there twice. Uh, New York had been once. Uh, but New, New Yorkers, I mean, everybody's so positive. That's what I like about the American culture. I think positivity is infectious. And Americans are always upbeat. It's a can-do attitude. So one quip I always use when Apollo 13, I think, it was Houston, we have a problem. Mm -hmm. And then I'll show us Houston, we have a solution. So, uh, of course. I love that. I love that. And, you know, as we're getting to the end of our time here, I know I wanted to ask you, I know you went through your tough challenges. I, I read in one of your blogs, you went to a cancer scare and all that. So it's oh, not... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not, I wanted to say so, because people see positive people, and I, I like to think that I'm pretty positive as well, and they and people immediately think, we don't go through anything, or you never, or you have always had it good, and that's why you're <laughs> so positive. And in reality, some of the most positive people I know have gone through a whole lot of difficulties and challenges. And uh, so I always ask, what, in those dark moments, what do you connect to to bring that positive out? Tell a story about that. I was dragged into the uh, doctors by my wife because <laughs> mm -hmm. men don't. Men are never ill, of course. <laughs> and uh, because I've suffered what was called now a focal seizure, and it's not. It's like it's epilepsy without the shakes and the foaming mouth, but it's like going glazed over. And the doctor immediately gave us a note to go to accident emergency at the hospital, and within minutes I was um, admitted. And uh, they were doing all sorts of tests and x-rays and CT scans. And uh, um, they, they kept me in for two nights. Um, I can remember the sticky toffee pudding. It's delicious. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and the, a consultant walked in and I said, well, we've got some results for you. I said, yes. He said, well, you have 
focal seizure. And I said, what? What's that? Well, it's such and such, and you can take medication, no side effects, which I do. Worst thing, I can't drive anymore. But um, then I was told uh, they'd done a, a standard PSA test, prostate-specific antigen test, and I had prostate cancer. And I said, oh, right, um, okay, what's the cure? Anyway, well, first of all, hormone injection. So, yes, I do empathise with women having um, uh, <laughs> hot flushes. In fact, we had some friends over from Germany who we were swapping our experiences of hot flushes. You know, oh, mine comes up from the neck. And Anyway, um, I went and had treatment. I had hormone therapy, as I said, also radiology treatment. And when we went there, there were people with brain tumours, God knows what, and nobody was speaking. And we caught the eye of somebody. And in the end, everybody was chatting with each other, which is lovely. And, um, yeah, I had the radiology treatment. And then, ultimately, I had to have, I had to have a, a bone marrow biopsy, not an autopsy, biopsy. And I was told, well, do you want sort of um, gas and air? I said, no, no, well, women have gas and air when they're, when they're having babies. Good Lord. <laughs> anyway, um, I was given the, the pain-killing injection, and the doctor came over, and I said, look, is that a Black & Decker or a Bosch drill? Uh, so I, my, my way of getting through this is humour. And um, the nurse said, well, are you sure you don't want gas? I said, no, no, carry on. In the end, there were two nurses holding my hand, a sister <laughs> holding, my, holding my hand, and I was puffing at the gas in there like there was no tomorrow. And they said, okay, Mr. Lever, everything's fine. And they said, was it a girl or a boy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And But then you recover, and then you spread positivity and hope around others that are suffering with the same yes because it's uh when you when you have such a thing you don't realize that a lot of other men do it's quite a pillows of the wrong word but it's yeah. quite a normal thing and people were phoning me and also at the hospital you know what do you go through everybody's different some people have to have the operation uh but i just had the radiotherapy fine no problem at all thank god so um yeah the blood tests are fine so I enjoy going to the hospital. Uh, oh, I always went God. went to went to the ward that treated me, and the nurse there was French. Uh, the sister was French, and we always joked about the arrogant cafe in France, the Brasserie Leap. So, uh, <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think it's uh, you know you don't hear that many people say I love going to the hospital, and it's just because you decide you love it. And I I was listening to a, an interview with a you know famous poet Maya Angelou yesterday and that uh, she was saying that that she's like I enjoy getting old because if I decide that I don't enjoy it then you know like I know for a fact that I won't so it, she's like how you decide to like things you can make a decision to like things even if they're not ideal but that changes completely the mindset this is true um, I write because I want to write and I love writing that's a fact. Uh, I like walking. I do power walks uh, as much as possible, especially spring and summer. The one thing I do miss, as I mentioned, is my beautiful all-American Jeep Cherokee Orvis, <laughs> four litres straight six. My son is also, he loves American cars. He has a, a, a real Wrangler. Nice. But he also, ha also has a 1973 Chevrolet Corvette Stingray. Wow. Yeah, so we're we're a family of um, family of petrol heads, 
that's i suppose but yeah i love uh, used to love my jeep but i sold it back to the garage to the mechanic the engineer who used to look after it oh, so at least i knew where it went yeah wow that that's amazing simon and and you know um I really thank you for your time and for sharing your stories with us. And, and I'm sure that a lot of people are going to check your blogs. And, and definitely, if you're out there, you want a positive take on something, definitely follow Simon's work. And, uh, you know, is there anything else, anything going on that you want to share that you haven't shared? Anything? You have an open microphone. An open microphone? Yes. Right. What I want to share is... If it's possible, because I know people in COVID, they're living in multi-storey flats, um, apartments, um, which I feel quite terrible for them. All I can say is, if it's possible, go down on the lift and walk, because uh, that's what I do. If I'm feeling a bit, yeah, not 100%, I go for a walk. Uh, not just to say hello to people, but it mm -hmm. is thera it's therapeutic especially if this countryside. I know I'm totally and utterly spoilt uh, in Winchester because it really is amazing. It's history, it's everything. But to be able to, the freedom of walking in the countryside with no sound of cars, lorries or anything, and just looking around and just seeing the beauty of nature. So that's something I do feel close to. And what I do suggest to people, if they, if they do get sad or even depressed share it with somebody problem shared is a problem solved halved rather that not everybody's unique everybody is different so what some if something works for me it won't necessarily work for somebody else uh, but what i always write on many of my my posts is never taken for granted uh life You know, it's um, some elderly gentleman who passed away, sadly, uh, uh, in the same um, area as this, said, we're on borrowed time, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, we are yeah. on borrowed time. But I, I can't think of that. It's, um, okay, um, I'm old enough to have my <laughs> vaccine, although they haven't, let, they haven't let us know yet, but it's just three minutes up the road is the, the surgery where they're giving uh, the vaccine jabs. But Was it, I'm, was it 73, I think I'm at the moment, something like that. But I do not think of age. Mm -hmm. To me, okay, unless I was totally disabled or couldn't move, yes, but I'm not. Uh, so I never take that for granted either. Um, well, yeah. that's amazing. I, I, I think, and, I, and as I share, like if I see my, the example I have is my dad, 87, and he, show, he goes to work every day. He talks Goodness me. like he can start a new business tomorrow and he always says I need I need if this was a soccer match I need an extra time <laughs> extra if I had that extra time I would do so much more and I always admire that that you know it's a, age is really it's really a number but it's really your mind and your spirit is really how old we are there's 20 year old people 30 year old people that they live their lives like if they were 90 and and that is yeah, you know the true. sad part and and that's hopefully with your blogs and hopefully a podcast like this and the many other things that we have available to us these days we can we can help them getting us unstuck i think so i think kimberly davis uh, did me the honor of calling me a beacon of positivity 
I love it. And I, I, I read that somewhere and I say, this is going to be Simon's uh, episode name because uh, after chatting with you and even people listening in, I, I know they will agree that you are a beacon of, of positivity. And, and I'm so happy that you came here and I thank you so much for taking the time. Bless you, Leticia. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm totally honored. I've, uh, this is fantastic. I really have enjoyed it. Me too. And when COVID is over and we can travel, I want a, a tour of that cathedral by you. That would be that would be wonderful. That's and a I'd deal. Be del delighted and honored to to escort you around the cathedral. I, really I love would. it. Well, we have a deal, and that's something to look forward to. Fantastic. Great. Thank you. And until a nice next episode of Back to Basics. Bye bye. Bye bye. And until the next time. <laughs>